podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Brian Degnan. And Colin Watt, it's uh, the Wednesday Bulletin. Uh, you will notice that uh, Kevin Graham is absent today. Um, like a number of Rangers players, he has tested and uh, it's not good. Therefore, I'm sit- stepping in and st- and sitting in for Kevin Graham. Loads to discuss today in the world of Celtic. Uh, two massive games, the biggest week in Ange Postacoglu's Celtic career. Colin Watt, how are you feeling about these upcoming games? This is definitely the biggest test he's had so far. Eh? Um, this is massive in terms of the momentum that we've built up over the last couple of weeks. Um, six wins in a row, 24 goals scored, only four conceded. If we can keep this going and you make it eight out of eight, then we are miles ahead of any anybody's wildest predictions when Ange Postacoglu took over. So with that, you've got a couple of days left in the transfer window. This is massive. I'm very nervous, um, but I think that's a good thing because last season you weren't nervous. You just knew what was going to happen. 
I'd, I'd rather be nervous. The at feeling that. of dread. Yes. Exactly. I, I'd rather be nervous at that. Um, so that's a, a good sign that things are going the right way, I'd say. You know, we are, uh, when Ke- when Colin's on the show, Brian, because there's a, you know, there's normally a siren. So when you have a klaxon here because he's in Greenock, there's normally a siren going past his, his, his gaff. Um, we will be talking about the Altmar game. We'll also be discussing the fact that we are six days away from the transfer window slamming shut. Ryan Christie has um, still been in the news. Will he stay or will he go? At the Rangers game, we will be chatting about the derby at the weekend and everything that surrounds that game from ticket to COVID testing um, to how you feel we will line up and finally we'll have a wee chat about the Scotland squad and a couple of the omissions because I think it'll be interesting to have a wee discussion with Colin Watt about one or two of the, Scot- the Celtic players who didn't make the squad Colin but let's start with Alkmaar it's tomorrow night and um, we're away from home we have the advantage Brian Degnan 2 nothing. I'm looking at the, the team against St Mirren I'm looking at the first leg against Alkmaar as well couple of changes between the two uh, Rodjick dropped out for Christy Forrest completely dropped out the squad and Edward came in with Furuhashi going out wide left how do you think we'll um, shape up tomorrow night? It's hard to say. I mean, I think you just depend. I actually quite liked Edward next to Kyogo. I thought I thought it helped that dynamic a wee bit. Um, I felt that in the, the, the first leg, when Kyogo left, it, it, everyone sort of dropped back. So it's going to be key. So he starts anyway. He's definitely in there. Um, I don't know if Forrest was injured or whatever reason, or maybe precautionary. He was in the squad, but I would expect maybe a bad a Forest Kyogo up front. I think I think Roger coming back in. I, I get the feeling that's the, that's the strongest team at the moment. Mm. Um, but then again, if Christy comes in in someone's place, you can't see everyone be disappointed. The reality is, I think we should have enough. Um, that's no disrespect to Altmar because I thought they were very good actually. Um, big strong side, well organised, good in the ball, and like to press as well. So it's going to be a big challenge, obviously, but. I don't know, I get the feeling that Poster Cockler, the way he's setting out his team and the way he's sort of attack-minded and, and sort of definitive in his philosophy, I don't see him changing and I don't know how they'll affected they'll be by being away from home. That's something I'm really interested to see is if his side travel well. Mm. Because I feel like they're going to dictate the play anyway and I don't know how, how much the crowd will affect him or not. So that would be an interesting aspect to see. I expect us to score over there. I think we always get goals in our team. Um, and that would mean, you know, if we score, we're obviously going to score three or more. So, yeah, I, I, I would I would want to go as far as to say I'm comfortable about it. I'm like Colin, I'm quite nervous, but I think we've got it in our locker. Just Sorry, Paul, just on that, Brian, you're saying that your three up front t- tomorrow night would be Abada, Forrest and Kyogo? Yeah. So Eddie would drop out the team? I would drop Eddie out the team now, yeah, just to say, I think... I think their movement in their pressing stronger. And I think Eddie's better coming on a wee bit later. The change of dynamic, not depending on the game. I think that might be a mistake in the, the fact that, and this is Wednesday, so we're allowed to, to not agree on things for anybody that tunes in normally. Um, I, I just think that we're going to need that out ball on Thursday night. I think AZ will definitely come out, knowing that they've got to score at least two to take it to extra time. I think they'll come out and have a, a good go at us. And if the press, if the defence are under a lot of pressure, what you want to do is to be able to get that ball out. And I think Eddie's the one 
that can hold the ball up. He's definitely starting to come back into form. Um, and then if you've got the likes of a bad and Kyogo playing off him, then he can play the ball into them. I still think he's he's got steps to go to get to the level of Edward that we've seen in the past. But big nights like that is when you're hoping that he turns up and puts a performance and holds it up. If you're playing that three up there, I just don't think the ball sticks. You know, your point there about Edward holding the ball up, absolutely. You know, the, the strength, the the close control, all of that, um, he has that in abundance. But in terms of an out ball, I just think that when you've got the energy of a badder, um, and for me, Christie on the left and Kyogo through the middle, uh, you've got three guys who are constantly available, constantly available all over the uh, the pitch. Um, and although Eddie is coming into some something like the form we know he can produce, I don't think he chases uh, the lost causes as much. I don't think he uh, occupies the areas of the park uh, left and right that you, you've seen from the likes of Kyogo when he's playing through the centre. So it will be an interesting uh, selection, but I'm probably veering towards Colin having Kyogo through the middle with Christie on the left and Abada on the right. That That's the way I would set up. I think that uh, Edward would be a, a tremendous tool to have on the bench for a game like tomorrow night. Aye. Uh, you look at it, I think Kyogo's best position is definitely through the middle. Um, I, I just saying, there's people coming in the comments saying you don't think Edward can do this, you don't think Edward can do that. I do think Edward's coming back into a bit of form. And as you said, Paul, with a ball at Edward's feet, he can hold players off. His problem at times is that he tries to do far too much with it. But I don't He think has been guilty of that. Yeah, he's been guilty of that. Absolutely. I don't think he'll get the time to do that. If you look at any of that combination of front three, that's a really strong front three. Oh, definitely. And it's effective. And when was the last time we were in a position where we said any combination of that three is probably enough to get the job done? So we're in a very mm-hmm. good position. So I respect of who starts. You know, the reality is... It's a good headache to have, Brian, isn't it? Okay, and it's the first time we've had that headache for, for a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. It's still an exciting deal. So I don't really care who starts. Eddie Munson can start up front for me as long as we get a result. But I think I think having those different combinations, I think all of them would work. Just that was a wee, a wee flashback, a wee throwback, Eddie Munster. That was the nickname of Brian McLaughlin, wasn't it, back in the 1990s? We Eddie, they called him. <laughs> Eddie Munster. Um, and then it begs the question, Tommy Rodgick dropped out against St Mirren. This is the best start to a season Tom Rodgick's had in a wee while, I would suggest, Colin. And I think that he's one of the players who came into that category that you and I spoke about pre-season. We spoke about a group of players possibly um, you know, coming to the fore, who you know we had hitherto maybe written off due to their performances last season. Tommy Rogic was definitely in that category, and he yeah. has come to the fore under Ange Postecoglou. We've spoken about his conditioning. We've spoken about his influence on on the game that we've not seen for a long time with Tom Rogic. Now he dropped out against it, and I think that's a kind of game where you know, your squad management comes into it. And I think it's a good idea. I don't know what the situation was uh, with Forrest at the weekend and uh, if it was precautionary or an injury, as as, uh, Brian suggested there. But if, for example, we've dropped Rogic out for that game and perhaps even in Forrest and maybe other times of the season, although with his captaincy, it might not happen that often, McGregor, these are the guys that are, um, you know, going to benefit from it. Does he come back in for the European game, Colin? Tommy Rogic, is there a part for him to play? 
I think the the team that we saw on Saturday will probably be the team that plays on Thursday night. Mm. Um, I, th- I think Rodjick will be one that comes off the bench, and it's difficult because I always think to get the best out of Rodjick, you've got to start him. But then Saturday kind of proved that wrong when he came off and still had the impact to set up the goal for, for Turnbull. So he's definitely getting back into the sort of Rodjick of old that we remember, the one that we, we kind of always thought if he gets back to that level, it'd be great to have him in the squad. His commitment to the team this year uh, definitely can't be uh, denied. The fact that he, I think he lost, was it 13 pounds or something he lost in weight? And then, Is that right? And he, he was uh, doing double sessions at Lennox Town. And yeah. that's that's not just stuff that's out there, that's stuff that Postacoglu said. that, um, And the fact that Postacoglu came out after the game on Saturday and said, I'm not one to put an arm round players he just knows what is demanded of me because he's worked for me before. Yeah. So that that's great to see. Um, Rodic for me is going to be a massive part of our success this season. And as you say, that midfield. When's the last time we saw Callum McGregor getting taken off after sixty minutes? Callum McGregor's a ninety-minute man every day of the week, and the fact that we're able to bring players on like that and yeah. actually keep it fresh—that is massive because we're relying on the same sort of fourteen, fifteen players at the minute to get us through. And if others can step up to that mark, it's going to make sure that we kind of avoid injuries, we avoid burning players out. It's great to see. But there's been a comment, though, by Ange that I found very telling. And it was around the transfer, which we'll talk about, of Juranovic coming in mm-hmm. and how he's going to complement and support Tony Ralston. And the comment that he said was, because I can't expect him to play 60 games a season. So I think that goes back on the point that Collins just made there, Brian, the, the management of this squad is going to be far, far better. We were looking at a situation last season where Scott Brown was playing three games in a week, one, yeah. one of which was in the San Siro. It was just madness. Um, how impressed have you been so far? And by the way, he's doing the defensive kind of management on a shoestring. How impressed have you been so far with his uh, squad management? I think it's absolutely excellent. I think it's the, the little things you're seeing. Like I thought it was very clever how he passed the armband to Christie the other day. Mm. Um, I thought that was quite telling. I thought that was quite clever. He seems to have fostered a, a togetherness in the squad. Very without, quickly. Very quickly, without being that sort of, as he said his own word, um, I'm not going to be giving out cuddles. Um, you know, he seems to demand things from them, but he seems to be enjoying it and want to play for them. He just seems to have that order. Um, in terms of the management, I, I guess it's games. You know, there's been some discussion before about, uh, you know, whether they adapt systems or styles or whatever, but. What he has shown is he's clever enough during a game to switch tactics or switch players' positions or, you know, navigate a game. He doesn't just leave it and hope for the best. He's always thinking, he's always planning. You know, he's, he's talking to his players, they're talking to each other. He's just, you know, I've said before, I'm, I expect a couple of black eyes, I expect a couple of sore faces this season. Know me personally, by the way, as a Celtic fan, I mean, um, just in case any fans get any ideas. Um, <laughs> I think that the way he's going about his business is so good. I'm so confident that even if there's a, a mistake, it'll be corrected, it'll be analysed and I understand. And just going back to the Roger point earlier, um, I think he'll start tomorrow because of the reasons Colin said about Edward. I think if you're up against if you're up against it and you can get the ball to him, the way he can cushion it, control it and take players out, I think it's essential. So if you don't see him, if you don't have Edward as your out ball, I think Roger always not going to be pacey. I think he can hold it and bring players in. But again, it's such a good headache that we're even having this conversation because 
and it's for the first time in a long time. And I think that's part of part of what Angie's brought as well. Uh, sport management and transfers in and, and understand when to rotate, when not to rotate. Yeah. There's on the half of it. It's great. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, two points there. What you're saying about Rogic, I remember we did a, a Celtic by numbers special one weekend on what to expect from Ans Postacoglu. And one of the points that stuck out for me was those players in the final third whose defensive qualities weren't good enough. Um, but I think that certain players, and I think Turnbull and Rogic are very similar here. You don't see them throwing themselves into tackles, but their defensive qualities is in their ball retention. You often see them five, ten yards in their own half. That's where they pick the ball up. By the time they've released the ball, we're on the attack. So they've turned defence, the transition from defence to attack is not, in their cases, a big slide tackle and winning the ball that way. And they leave that to the other guys who are probably better at it than they are. They do it playing their their style of football. And I just think that, you know, sometimes that's overlooked because it is a form of, of defence, you know, the, the, the uh, ball retention. And they're brilliant. They are brilliant at that transition, in particular David Turnbull. How often have you seen him in his own half Right, facing his own goal, he does that wee period. Next thing you know, he's facing the opposition's goal, and then you know he's maybe making twenty or thirty yards progress, and then the dink. And you see it so often, you know it's coming, but it's almost impossible to defend because it's happening so quickly. So you know, I've been so impressed with that. the The big the big question also is around, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the inverted fullbacks, Colin. We're going to be talking a wee bit later about the, the incoming right back, the mm-hmm. Scotland squad announcement and whether or not players like Ralston and Welsh uh, might feel aggrieved as to uh, their um, emissions from the squad. But interestingly enough, we spoke before the last game about Jesper Carlson, who's a left winger, and he's one of the, the kind of star players in the Altmar team. He was missing from the first leg. He returns tomorrow night. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to be up against someone who... He, he, you know, he, he's basically, for me, he's overcome every test that's been thrown his way this season in Anthony Ralston. Um, do you have any concerns about us uh, facing a star man flying left winger tomorrow night? I think when you look at that AZ Altmar team, first of all, it's got to be said that the Dutch FA um, or the league or the Eredivisie actually allowed Altmar to cancel their game at the weekend so that they could focus on this. Uh, but what I was surprised is that PSV didn't cancel their game and uh, Fianor didn't cancel their game either. So I don't know what's going on over there, if it was a, a choice or what they were able to do, but they didn't play at the weekend. So they're coming into this with um, no further injuries, no further kind of suspensions or that. As you say, Carlson comes back in. But they've got guys like Koopi, is it Koopi Miners? Is that how you pronounce his name? In the captain. Uh, no, I think that's the wit that's the captain. Uh, Cooper Miners is the one that's been linked with Roma and with Manchester yeah. United and Arsenal. Mm-hmm. For that, in the first game, I thought we managed to keep him very quiet as well. Um, for me, the biggest threat that came from that team last Thursday night was the uh, the right back Shigawara, um, who I'd highlighted before the game, but I actually thought he played left back, so I got that one wrong. Um, but he played at right back, and I think certainly amongst our chat, anyway, a lot of people were impressed with the the way he played on. Uh, Thursday night so look if Celtic play the way that they've, they've been playing this season with the Ange ball then the likes of Carlson and um, even the, the other forward that they had that the only one that was kind of causing this trouble I don't I don't think we have to worry so much about the defence it would be more about containing 
the ball, keeping the ball, keeping the possession. We're sitting at something around 60% possession for most games this year. So if we go out and play the style that Ange wants to play, you'd expect Celtic to try and do that again. Where it's going to be dangerous is going to be on the break, and that's where the inverted fullbacks might be a problem. Right. Because they do come in towards the middle of the park. You've saw both yeah. Ralston and Taylor in the sort of midfield position. Does it then leave Starfelt and Welsh a bit exposed? That's when you've got to look at who's going to be playing alongside them. Who can you get back to actually track the ball back? For me, I don't think Abada comes back a lot. I think he's got the pace in him, but I've not seen him come back into those defensive positions. Um, if you're playing guys like Forrest and Christie, they do do that. Mm. So it's all about playing to the style of your own football, but knowing that you're not going to have the ball 100% of the time. So we're not going to change the way we play. It's going to be a massive test for both Ralston and Taylor on Thursday night. But there's nothing that they've done this season that suggests to me that they wouldn't be at least up for the challenge. I'm not saying they'd be fully prepared for it, but they'd be at least up for it. I think they're both kind of riding high on confidence at the minute. So, look, the best form of defence is always attack. So we, we've got to go over there. As Brian says, you've got to go over and try and score. You even, <laughs> sound, like, you even sound like Ange. You even sound like Ange now, Colin. But uh, just to confirm, it is Cooper Miners who's the captain of that, that club. Is it? Um, I thought it was... Yeah, he's, he's a captain and obviously he's been linked with some big moves away um, as well. Um, I see it as a challenge, but... You know, so far I've not seen Ralston buckle under any of the challenges that he's faced this season. Um, as I said, we will be talking a wee bit more about him later on. Here's one before we move move on. Um, the Europa League final this this year is on the 18th of May, and it's in Seville. So, do you think there's a wee omen there, Brian? Yeah, I, I don't know about that as much. I would love to. I'd love to believe that. Um, you know, one of the things we, we I think Colin touched on, then we've touched on in the past. We talk about sounding like Ange and some of the things he says. One of my favourite ever quotes is with Jock Steen. It says the best form of defence, the best place to defend is in your opponent's penalty box. And I love that idea. Just attacking, containing, just forcing them to defend, forcing them to think about your game, not you thinking about theirs. So I hope that be the case. Um, I say, yeah, the worry is obviously when you've got your inverted fullbacks, they're going to get caught. But I think because they're squeezing in the midfield. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The idea is they're going to stop the Bulls releasing, but of course it doesn't always, doesn't always work out that way. Okay, now we are asking a question. Can Ange Postacoglu's Celtic knock AZ Alkmaar out of Europe? Brian, you think they can. Colin? I think we should have enough. I think we should have enough on the day. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the game go to extra time, just because mm. there's no away goals really anymore. Um, but I think we should have enough to do so. Also, very nice of UEFA to give uh, the final to Seville, considering the amount of times that they've won that competition. It's probably about time they got to play in their own back garden. And uh, Gerald McEwen agrees, yes, he thinks we can do it. It won't be easy, though. No, we're in for a long night. We'll be covering it on a Celtic state of mind. I noticed during the week... Last week there, Brian was calling uh, the Wednesday, the midweek maestros, I think it was, but uh, KGM are, are calling you the Wednesday wallopers, so I don't That's know which name. one. That's Narium for us. I, I don't know which Brian's one. Brian's the maestros, I'm the wallopers. <laughs> is more appropriate. Um, so there we go. Let's have a wee chat then about the, the transfer window. Six days to go until that slam's closed. Um, let's have a wee look at what's happened so far. So we've brought eight players in and we're expecting Liam Scales to be the ninth player to come in in terms of first-team players. And I include Liam Shaw and Osazi Urugidi in the first-team player squad because we have signed a couple of players and we've made it pretty clear in the press conferences that they were signed for the Colts team. All right? Um, Shaw and Urugidi were not signed for the Colts team, but they haven't really featured uh, prominently. In fact, Uruguiri's not played for the first team yet in a competitive game. Abada has come in. I think he's one of the guys at the moment at the age of 19 that he's been overshadowed a wee bit by Kyogo for obvious reasons, but what a signing he has been and what a prospect he is. Uh, Furuhashi, you know, we have dedicated entire podcasts to um, Kyogo and I think we'll be doing that all season. Carl Staffelt, it looked a lot steadier um, against St Mirren. Again, you're going to get the detractor saying, yeah, but look at the level of opposition. Big test for Starfield tomorrow night, and hopefully he comes through that with flying colours. Joe Hart, I think, has basically been the exact fit that we needed um, at the back in goals. I mean, he's made, a, he's made for me, he's made a lot of changes, a lot of, uh, of an impact that wasn't that obvious until you had someone like Barkas in goals. Um, you know, he's doing a lot of the basics, right, Brian? But you know, we weren't getting that last season. Uh, James McCarthy's come in. He hasn't really got going yet. And, of course, uh, Juranovic has also entered the building this week. Where else do we need to strengthen, uh, Colin? I asked Lawrence this question yesterday. Lawrence thinks that we're going to utilise the loan market to, to bolster areas of the park uh, that we might not be able to offload players in. For example, the left-back area. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be difficult to offload ball and goalie. Do we bring in a, a lone left back? Where do you think we're going to strengthen here? I think Scales will be a left back when he comes in. And I think it'll be between Scales and Taylor for that left back position. Um, and I think that'll be it. As much as we probably could be doing with a further left back, I think that'll be your left backs for the season. For me, I think we definitely need another centre back. At the minute, you've got your two first choice picks in Welsh and Starfelt. You've got Julian coming back into. Uh, training over the next couple of weeks and then what? Then there's a massive gap between 
the quality of those three and who else is going to step in to do it. You mentioned Azazi Uragidi. Now, I, I've not really seen him play a lot since he joined for us. I don't know if he's actually played a lot since he joined for us, but the, the bits I have seen suggest that he's still got a bit to go to be considered the sort of fourth-choice centre-back. So we, we do need to go in there with at least four centre-backs for this season. I mean, you take a look at what's happening uh, across the city, and if we have something like that happening and you lose a centre-back or two, it's, it's a terrible position to begin into any sort of game with. So having at least a backup for each position is key. I'd love a two backups for each position, but we're not going to get that in this window. Um, I think we, we could potentially still be doing with someone on the left-hand side. Um, I know there's been talk of Christian Lovrich before. I don't think that would happen unless someone like Edward moved on and you got the money for him. Um, but between that and probably a centre-forward as well, I still think we need a centre-forward. I was impressed with a Yeti sort of cameo at the weekend, but he's been one that's been very hot and cold since he joined. Um, if Eddie moves on, a centre-forward's a, a must. It's a must. Um, because you can't really go into the season with just Kyogo and Ayeti up front. No, no, you're right. Now, uh, you mentioned skills there, Colin. Do you think uh, the uh, those in charge, and this is a this is a concern Brian's brought up in the past, they'll be looking at bodies um, as much as anything else. They'll be looking at Bolingoli as a first-team player who cost a few million quid and is on a decent wage as being a left-back. So do you think when skills comes in, he will be viewed as cover for centre-half also? Uh, I can see that happening. Um, but when you look at his performances for Shamrock this season, He's been playing that sort of left wing back in a five three two or three five two. What the kind of formation we played last season? Um, he's Was there a formation played, last season? Oh, it, we changed it so many times. But I, I look back at the first game against Rangers last year, and you'd be surprised how many players are actually still around from that. Um, we'll, we'll maybe get to that when we cover the game. Uh, looking at his performances for Shamrock, he's playing on the left hand side. If that's where he's getting his best performances for now then I would stick to him being the left-back or the left-wing-back or whatever sort of position we're going to play there. If he does need to come in as cover for centre-half, that's a good addition to have, but it shouldn't detract from the fact that he is the left-back. We should then go and sign someone else at centre-back. We shouldn't be relying on one person to cover two positions. We sort of did that with El Hamid and it didn't really work. As soon as Frimpong moved on, you were relying on El Hamid and then he had his own injury problems and it left us mm. an even bigger gap. We can't rely on one player to fill the, t- the two spots. We, you do have to sign one for each position. The fact that he can play both is just a bonus. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I'm going back to Brian's point. You know, they'll be looking at Taylor, Bolingoli. In fact, Taylor, Montgomery, Bolingoli, right? You're, you're well covered at left back. Is that a fear for you, Brian? Yeah, I, I think still a, a worry. Um, in terms of the, the defensive side, I think, yeah, we definitely need a centre half. My feeling is we'll be looking to loan a centre half in. Again, mm-hmm. if the same as we left back, they'll probably say, well, we've got Julian coming back. Eton's still there. You've got Dane. You've got Urigidi. Um, and I think we'll probably say, well, we're not going to spend five million on our centre back when you've already got people coming back. So I think we'll loan. The left back one's really, really interesting for me. So I don't know enough about this boy's skills. I don't. So if I'm being disrespectful here, I completely apologise. Um, but. Is he going to be... I feel as if I'm just saying a player just now, they need to be better than the player that's in the position. Yeah. Is he going to be better than Taylor? I have no idea. It doesn't seem to be tested at the same level. So it seems an unusual signing for me. 
And again, the guy makes winning be brilliant, and I'm happy to eat my words as always. I'm happy to be wrong if it means Celtic are successful. But I feel as if if you're signing a player, he has to be better than what you thought. There's no, you're not in a position to be signing projects at the moment. I've said this before. I think, um, you know, at, at right back, the, the creation lad coming in, I think what you've got there is someone who's probably better than Ralston, but Ralston's playing his skin. So that's good competition, that's what you want. There's no point signing someone just to be back up. You know, you've got to be better than what we've got and they can rotate. So I'm concerned about the skills signing. Uh, I don't know that seems like a Dermot Desmond signing. To be honest, more than uh, anyone else. So that's a wee bit of a worry. Centre-half, I think, we've got a loan. I think you might also see a loan for a kind of a winger slash striker. Mm. Because again, same issues I'm talking about. If you read Griffith, a Yeti, Edward, and Furuhashi. I don't see him fucking out for another striker. If I'm honest, everybody can pull Furuhashi wide. Yeah. And then, but then you get the same issues Colin's talking about. One player up in two positions. And he's going to be so important to a team, you can't risk him getting bumped out. So yeah. I, I think you, you might see that get supplemented. But with, with someone that can do a similar sort of winger slash striker. What I was going to bring up was the fact that we're, we're kind of focusing on the defence, and rightly so. I think up to this point, with the personnel that we started with and all the concerns that that brought, and the fact that, of course, you know, in the second leg against Midgieland, we've got two youngsters. I say youngsters, Welsh, obviously, far more experienced than, than Dean Murray. You know, playing at centre half wasn't ideal, almost got through, knocked out after extra time. But when you look at that situation, obviously that is the, the area of focus, but I also want to look at the, the potential outgoings and the headaches that's going to cause. So you lose Eddie. And as Colin says there, all you've got up front is a Yeti. Kyogo obviously can play centre forward. And, you know, you've got to mention the big uh, white elephant in the room and Lee Griff is still in the building. So if you lose uh, Edward and it's late in the day, you know, that's not enough to be running with up until January. Yeah. Same applies on the left-hand side. That You know, Colin says he's got concerns on the left. So do I, because, yes, Abada can play out there. Kyogo can play out there. Is it their best positions? I don't think it is. I think Abada's better on the right, and I think that Kyogo's better through the middle. Forrest can play on the left, but he's better on the right as well. Mm-hmm. So then all you've got is Mikey Johnson, who, since he broke into the first team, has never been injury-free throughout a whole campaign. So if you lose Christie, that's what you're faced with. You know, and if it's a late um, departure by Christie or, or Edward, I think that's my biggest concern of the transfer window. So whilst I'm sitting here thinking, right, we bring in Liam Scales, yeah, cover it on the left-hand side and potentially in the centre-half position. We're still in the race for uh, Georgius uh, Giocomakis. I think yep. I'm getting used to his name after Werder Bremen pulled out or, or apparently have pulled out due to his personal demands. They've signed so another they, striker as well. So there's your... Werder Bremen... Yeah, they signed a striker on a three-to-three contract, yeah. So they, they're out. Um, so it's up to us to go and make that deal happen. If you do, you would expect one or both of Edward and Griffiths to go. Um, it looks as though we're in control of that situation. If we were to lose somebody like Ryan Christie, though, I think that's a massive gaping hole on the left-hand side for Celtic squad. So I still have some concerns. Um, who do we get rid of? I mean, because we're talking there about, uh, obviously, Edward. We're, we're almost half expecting that to happen, but we haven't seen much in the way of interest, concrete interest. Um, Southampton apparently are not interested in 
taking Ryan Christie uh, down there. But the three players I would love to see us offloading, and I don't know if we can do it on a permanent basis, but we should be working around the clock to try and make it happen, Colin, is Barkas, Ball and Goalie and Griffiths. Mm. I'd say there's there's others there as well that um, I think would either need to go on loan or move permanently as well. Guys like uh, Ewan Henderson, who still doesn't seem to come anywhere close to being part of this squad, which is... Uh, I think it's a shame because I think he's he's been someone that's been came in and made fleeting appearances here and there, but he's he's never really had the chance at Celtic. It was excellent against Lille, wasn't he, last season, Colin? I remember came on and played really well. I remember the first game after Brendan Rodgers left and Neil Lennon took over at Tencastle and he played in that game as well and he was outstanding in that game. Um, he's, he's shown glimpses of what he can do, but I think for... The sake of his own career, he'd be as well following his brother's uh, lead and going and trying to make a career of himself elsewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you with the the other three. I think if you're able to get the other three moved on, um, then that would be a, a good bit of business towards the end of the transfer window. Uh, and then you're talking about loan players, guys like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Uragidi go out on loan. Uh, I could see that happening. There's there's probably two or three others that you're talking about in the, the team because there's that age gap between players that are eligible to play for the B team and mm. then players that can maybe play in the Colts if they stay in the, I think it's the, is it the SPFL Trust or it used to be the, uh, what would that competition used to be? It used to be like the, the, the Challenge Cup and stuff like that. Challenge That's Cup. It, challenge Cup. Yeah. And then making that jump up to the first team. And the more players you bring in, the less opportunities it gives to these guys as well. So I'd be su- I would be surprised if we don't see guys like probably Connell O'Connor, um, Robertson. These guys probably go on loan for at least six months uh, and then reviewing the situation in January. What about yourself, Brian? Um, do you share my fears there? You know, the Christian-Eddie dilemma. If someone wants to come in, last couple of days of the, the, the transfer window and, and take one of these guys away it's going to really leave us short and although we'll look to be pursuing a striker, there's not really, I mean Lovren as Colin says previously, there's not a, a great deal out there that uh, we've been connected to or linked to on the left hand side No, it's um, to be fair, I just had said before that there's, there's a lot of people they're looking at and they've mm. not been mentioned, so they could kind of come out of the blue that this deal has been done my concern has always been that if it gets to this stage in the transfer window as you say we, we're, we're exposed because do we do we trust that because although this transfer window has been successful in terms of personnel it's still been a bit of a disaster in terms of timing there's still be a long time to get deals done do we yeah. really trust that someone's going to be going to replace Eddie if he goes today well no because it means we're going to get at least 10 days or whatever it is before the feeding train so that's you until after the transfer window as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. So if we lose any of these players just now, you can't replace them, really, at this stage. Um, and then the issue is the a player of as good quality who's ready, ready to step in. My feeling's always been that Eddie's going to stay for the year. I think that Celtic have played hardball, thought they were going to get more than they did, and have put people off. I think Eddie seems, you know, rumours suggest he's content to wait and go on a free. He does look like he's enjoying his football, actually. He's, you know, he's looked sprightlier, at least. Um, and it looks like he's joined playing the intelligent players. So 
I think he's dating. I think the same will be said for Christie, because apparently he can go in January, can't he? I'm led to believe he can sign for someone just now and go in January. So you look at a transfer bid, and for him, I don't think if you're a club down south, I think they'll just wait and sign him. Um, so I think the two of them will still be here come the end of the transfer window. But it's going to be really, really interesting to say the least if one or both go. In terms of the players out, you're right. Barca should be off. Ball and goalie. Griffith should be off. Um, I mean, guys like you and Henderson and stuff like that. What I'm wondering is maybe Angie's saying, right, we've got a, my starting 11, my sort of steady 11 just now. Let's keep playing name until it settles down, until I start working on other things, and then maybe consider rotating over the course of the next few months. So you may have some of these guys in mind that just have the feature jet. Um, but you've got to imagine these conversations are taking place. You know, you've got to imagine he's saying, listen, lads, you know, you're not going to play, or I don't see you playing much, or get some experience. There's got to be things going on. I, I find it very strange guys like Barkas and Bolongoli are still there, mm. especially Bolongoli, because he's not featured at all under Ange. And I just think, surely his agent can get my move. That's what agents do, that's their job, and they get a, a good turn at it. I know football agents, they get good money for transfers. There's no way they can't force a move through for someone. There's no way they can't find him a football club. So maybe, maybe he fancies Bolongoli. Maybe he's just not played them yet. Maybe he thinks he's going to take a bad time that he might be a player. Maybe we need to get we need to get in touch with call him Kazim Richards' agent and uh, put him in touch with Barkas and Bolingoli because he always finds him a club, doesn't he? Whoever the agent is, incredible. Uh, <laughs> he's got unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, two questions for you then, guys. Right, so you know we we know the undoubted talent of Edward. We know what happened last season. And obviously that that's kind of spilled into this season. And there's signs there that we might get performances out of him uh, should he stay. What happens two or three days um, before the transfer window closes if a club comes in, Colin, with a bid of 10 million quid for Edward? Do you take the fee and you're running short for the rest of the, the rest of the year up to January? Um, or do you knock it back knowing that you're basically saying no to 10 million pound? I'd say you knock it back. And I know the the forty percent kind of selling that you're talking about. That's only on the profit. So your profits say one million pounds. So you're only paying PSG four hundred thousand pound of that. Um, but the big prize is the thirty forty million pounds that's on offer in terms of getting qualification for the Champions League next season. Yeah. If you turn down the fifteen uh, the ten million pound now and go and win the the thirty forty million pound whatever it is that you get for the Champions League next year. That's a better deal for me anyway. You're getting someone who has got experience at playing in Europe, he's got experience playing in the league. He is certainly playing above the level that we saw the kind of end of last year. Um, and in the two, three days that you've got to try and bring somebody in, I'd be surprised if we do. I honestly don't think the Giacomakis thing happens. I don't think we bring him in. I don't think his heart's set on playing for Celtic. I know he's had the conversation with Ange, but he's been spending all this time trying to work out a deal with Werder Bremen. So for me, I don't think he, he wants to come to Celtic. I think he sees Celtic as his, his backup option. And if that's the case, then do you want him to come over here and do you want to spend that sort of money on him? Well, the question is then, looking at last season, and some of the issues last season that we faced, um, once bitten, twice shy, do you keep a player in Edward who apparently wanted away last year? Do you keep him for another year 
um, because you're talking about bringing in a new player who might not want to be there. Gio Kumakis will go whoever, to whatever club meets his personal demands. Yeah. And and that that's the bottom line of it, you know. Yep. But Edouard's already here, and if we get a bid at ten million pounds, do we look at the experience of last season, Colin, and say, well, you know, apparently a massive part of the blame for the form of Edouard and others was the fact that they wanted away. It was impressive, but when you think on it, that he wanted away and still managed to put in twenty goals last season. If he wants away again and puts in twenty million, uh, twenty goals this season, that could be worth forty million pounds to us. So, so you you would stick? I would stick with him. Yeah. I would stick with him if the bid came in. Now, see, on the Gio Kamakis thing, he's, what, 25, 26? He said one very good season last year. I don't blame his agent for trying to hold out for the best amount of money because he'll tie him down on a three-, four-year contract and pay him X amount a week, knowing that he's living off the back of that one season that he's had. If he goes and has a couple of good seasons, that's great for the team that signs him. If he goes and has a stinker, then he's got that contract that he can sit off for the next couple of years. Would you rather buy a player on the top of his game or buy, buy a player like Ayeti who had a stinker of a season at West Ham, though? You've got That's to balance true. that up, you know. Um, Brian, see, when you're looking at it, because I can see a low bowler, I can see it. I mean, apparently there was a bid last season, but it didn't meet the expectations of the Celtic board in terms of the valuation of Edward. If it does come in and it's as low as 10 million quid, do we take it or do you do as Colin says and you keep him in and an off-form Edward has proved that an off-form Edward can still score 20-odd goals in a season with a view to winning that league and getting into the, the Champions League? If you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, I'd have said sell him. However, mm. I think so close to the end of this transfer window, I just think it, it, it's it's folly to think we're going to get someone in really quickly. And I, and I do think we're in position now that transfers are depending on his fee. I think any business that's going to be done, they've got the money to do it. Um, and I've always said with Edward, and I'm in the minority, but he's never came out and said he wanted to go, particularly. Things suggested, Jay, apparently he said he wanted to go last year, apparently, but we don't know. The thing about the way I look at it is, see Celtic last year, now every, everybody that's watching just now, all of us, every Axon contributor has worked for somebody they didn't like. You've also had a boss you couldn't stand. You've also had a, a bad working atmosphere. You've always worked somewhere where you went, oh, I can't stand it here. I wish I'd have So it could be the case that last season, it was such a toxic environment between Lennon being in charge, the dressing room falling out, who didn't want to be there, that maybe that's why players were wanting to leave. Look at the difference in Christie. Yeah. Look at the difference in him. Now, he's not signing a new contract. He might still see his career future elsewhere, but he's no unhappy. Edward, I think, is, is, is gradually got a bit better. I think he's looking as if he's enjoying himself. Mm. And it's a better atmosphere, so he might flourish. And especially if he knows, do you know what, I'm here for the season, let's go into high. So I, I think it's too much of a gamble to sell, to sell anybody at this stage. The only people I would sell is the people I've mentioned because I don't think they're going to feature anyway. And it's going no. to get some money and get them off the wage bill. So Griffin would get rid of for obvious reasons. Paul and Goal, I don't think, is going to feature. And I don't think Barcast will feature again. So you can free up wages there and get some money in. But in terms of players that are likely to play, I wouldn't be replacing anybody just now. I think we can only add to the squad. And I just think at this stage of the season, with like less than a week left or whatever it is, it'd be madness for me to sell anybody at this stage that we think might feature. I think yeah. when you look at it as well, has there actually been a bid for him? Is there interest there for him? Leicester apparently bidded and he could not back because of the Brendan Rodgers tax. 
But that was a way round about the Euros. Aye. There's been nothing uh, since. Brighton as well, and somebody else was the only one to do it. They offer 13 and 15, but Celtic wanted 20. So if there's not going to be an offer between now and the end of the window, then the simple thing is Edward's going to be a Celtic player. You're on with it. You're on with it. Yep, you take the hit. And uh, to be fair, it's not bad to, if, if he does get your 20 goals, as Colin says. Um, some great points coming in. Francie Dobelu, the skinhead. Uh, welcome back to the show, Francie. I reckon we can score early and increase the pressure. I mean, that would be the dream start, wouldn't it, really? Tomorrow night, you, you really would be confident at that stage. Joe Porter thinks another 2 nothing for Celtic. Um, and Lazarus reckons that we will score away from home. They'll need to score four or maybe five to knock us out at that stage. And uh, a very good point coming in um, from Michel Sharon. Good afternoon, fellow football fans. Just after yesterday's podcast, I got a text informing me that Danny Martin, long-time charge hand at Harati's Bar, had lost his battle with cancer. Rest in peace, Danny. Absolutely. Thoughts and prayers with Danny's friends and family. Uh, so thanks for bringing that up as well. Now, also, you've just mentioned Ryan Christie. Let's focus a wee bit on Ryan Christie because he falls into that category that Colin and I were talking about, whereby we were basically saying, Brian, uh, during the pre-season, you're going to be a clutchy players who come back to the fore. Almost, you know, that cliche, they're like a new signing. And we've seen a few of them. We also thought there might be a few players from the young group that, that come to the fore. Um, I don't know if you could class Ralston as young. 22 is young for me at my age, but um, you know I don't think we've seen much of that. You know, youngsters coming to the fore. Montgomery's in and about the team, which is tremendous. And then, of course, the signing. So, Ryan Christie jumps into the, the category of a player who um, looked to be on his way out. His performances were, were definitely hampered last, last season. Colin Watt you were um, a big critic of Ryan Christie last season. You've been singing his praises this season, and quite rightly so. What's the biggest? What's the biggest change you've noticed in his his game this season? It's an obvious one. He's not shooting every two seconds. Um, it, it is interesting, but when you listen to his interview from back then, he was told if you get a sight of goal to take the shot. That yeah. was the instruction that was passed on to him last season. This season, his comments is that you look for the best ball if the best opportunity is for you to shoot then you take the shot if it's to play somebody in then you play them in and I think you've seen a lot of that this season from Ryan Christie um, look he's still not consistently in the team because there's players that are playing out their skins like sort of Kyogo, Abada and even in the midfield but when he's coming in he's an addition to that team at times I think a lot with Ryan Christie last season was that he didn't really know where he was going to play. He was kind of all over the park. He was chasing the ball about. He was giving away too many fouls um, when he's tracking back because it was kind of lazy tackles he was putting himself into. But I felt as if a lot of the time he felt like the team's responsibility was on his shoulders. Mm. He was the one that was meant to be the, the dictator. He was meant to be the, the playmaker in that team. And if Ryan Christie played well, then the team played well. I don't think it's that this season. I think he knows that there's there's quality players around him and he can rely on trying to find that pass. And if the opportunity is there, then he'll take the shot. But it's not going to be the first thing that comes into his mind. His first thing will be, is there anybody in a better position than me? Yeah, I mean, the, the shooting was an issue last season as until... Turnbull coming to the, the side, Brian, as was the corner kick situation. You know, I remember counting 15 corner kicks in a row over, I think, maybe two or three games, all taken by Ryan Christie and not one of them met a target. 
you know, it was basically just losing possession as soon as we got a corner, rather than us piling the pressure on the opposing team. Um, he did suffer. I think, uh, you know, the game plan was non-existent, as mentioned by Callum McGregor. Um, how big a gesture was it, do you feel, Brian, um, handing him the captain's armband so that it was almost as if, you know, Forrest isn't here, he's the vice-captain, but now we regard you as being in that kind of category as well. And we're in a precarious situation with, with Ryan Christie, Brian, with regards to his contract and, uh, you know, going away and we're going to lose him for now. Do you think we can keep him? Do you think we can get him on a new and improved contract with the effect of Ange being prevalent? I think so. I think you sign a contract. Um, Ange has proven himself incredibly cute in terms of how he goes about his business, even in terms of how he deals with the media. We slight, you know, digs at the board, shoot people down and criticise. He's been very, very smart, very clever about how he's done things. And I think it was a, a very, very shrewd move to give him the captain's armband because that was as much for our benefit as it was for his. Because I think that was the message to the fans that this isn't the Ryan Christie last year. Listen, the club only stupid. Ryan Christie's no stupid and Andrew's not stupid. He knew he was criticised heavily last year and rightly so. Because his attitude was poor last year as well as he's shooting. I think, I can't remember what game it was but remember at one point like he had some crazy shot, crazy pass and someone for the bench I think it was Lennon said something and he turned around with this look of scorn as if to say how dare you criticise me? His attitude was poor. I don't like seeing that. He was probably right but he still don't like to see it. So I think that was a message for the fans as much as it was for the player. As if they say, look, Chris's attitude's improved, I trust him, he's here. And I think that was incredibly clever, Ferns. Yeah, it was. Recently, in terms of his, I, mean, I don't know if we talk about it, but in terms of the Hugo situation, his comments mm. on that, he's mm. proved a, a very decent human being, a very smart, articulate man. And I think if you're a player, you're going to want to run through a wall for him. I watched that mic'd up session, that three-minute gimmick Celtic put out, and I was wanting to run through a wall for him. I was wanting to do anything for him. So I can only imagine playing that day. And as I alluded to before, clever players like playing clever football with other clever players. The, the players he's got around him, Kilo, Edward, Abada, Forrest, Thumble, Calmack, Logic. If you're playing in that midfield with that players, you're going to enjoy yourself. There's no doubt he's been given that attacking role, freedom to express himself. I, I think he must be loving things just now. And he may still see his future elsewhere, but I, I reckon he'll sign an 18-month extension but probably still going in summer, is my prediction. I, I tell you what, see, when you look at that and you're sp- speaking about running through brick walls for Ange, I think when you look at it, like players don't just join Celtic because they're fans. They do it to develop their careers. Like say Juranovic is coming over from Legia to join Celtic. They don't do it because he's a mad Celtic fan or because the holy goalie told him to. He, he came over here to develop his career. Now, when you look at it, guys like Postacoglu, they're able to enhance the abilities of these players by putting proper training, proper coaching into them. And even seen it so far with the likes of Edward. If he's happy playing with Ange, why wasn't he happy playing under Lennon? Is it because he didn't think that his development was getting to that stage? Was it being hindered? If you're able to attract players like that, then you can turn to Ryan Christie and say, here's another 12 months, stay for another 12 months. I mean, you look at that Celtic team, there's a few of them that are are diehard Celts, and that's always great to have in that team, but there's others that's going to be here for three, four years and then move on. 
but they want to move on a better player than what they are when they signed and they're definitely going to do that under Postecoglou. Well, a couple of points there. Brian, you're talking about the, the body language of Ryan Christie. Uh, also, people were criticising him for not celebrating goals. I'm just amazed that we had a body language expert in the dugout last season and he never picked up on that with Ryan Christie being unhappy. That that I find that really bemusing. Um, also, here's another one, and I'm going to throw this to Colin. Giving that captain's armband may not have been a signal to the fans. What do you think if it was a signal to the board, Colin, to say that here's a guy who I regard as maybe third in line in terms of seniority in this team and influence in this team? And he is my vice, vice captain, if you like, behind Jamesy Forrest. And I want him to get a new deal. I want him to be paid sufficiently alongside the likes of that ilk because we know from the leaked document which uh, a second source has confirmed was accurate, that Ryan Christie's not one of the big earners at Celtic Park. No, he's not. Um, was that a sign is, to the board? I'd say it is a sign. I'd say it's a sign of his importance to, to Ange. I think Ange has mentioned um, before, even in games, they say as well, if this isn't enough to convince him to sign a new contract, then I don't know what is. What I like about Ange as well, though, is the fact that he doesn't, kind of press on these things he doesn't say oh well we'll speak to his agent and we'll do this and we'll do that he always says his concentrations on the players and getting them ready for the next game and he leaves it to the the kind of the backroom team to deal with that so that is tying in with what you're saying there Paul is the fact oh I want this guy for this season look how well we're playing if we keep him how well can how much better can it get I don't think he's kind of been naive to just give him the armband to say well you've been here long enough so you're just going to get it there's definitely some sort of I'm trying to think it's like a sort of a hint to people this is what I need and support me well the thing is Luke uh, comes in back in my day a goat was something completely different but I know it is now the greatest of all time I wouldn't put it past Ange Postacoglu, you know, Brian, that I'm going to make a wee statement here for the board who are all going to be watching as uh, Ryan Christie is given the captain's armband because that's how important he is to this football club at this moment in time. Give him the deal. Get it over the line. Uh, you know, you can't give every player everything that they want, but give him improved terms and keep him at the club. Um, he's definitely smart enough to put that signal out there, isn't he, Ange? Oh, 100%, yeah, and I see it. I don't think he does anything by accident. I think he chooses his words very carefully, although he always looks like he's sort of really that bothered about the questions and he kind of just goes through them very casual way. But he's a clever man and he knows exactly what he says and does. And as I say, I think that was a, a, a really clever gesture um, to, to, the, to the board and to the fans and to the player himself. Mm. There's a game at the weekend as well We've not really spoken too much about it We're playing Rangers, it's at Ibrox And two non-football matters Seem to have dominated the headlines In relation to this fixture First of all, we had the ticket issue Whereby Rangers, having already agreed To give Celtic 750 tickets Which is a reduced allocation That they decided on a few years ago uh, They've now decided we're not getting any of those tickets And the briefs are going to be left unused Up at Celtic Park the second um, element of this story is around the COVID. And, you know, there's a suggestion that a number of players um, have been struck down with that. 
and may well miss the fixture. Now, Colin, you just said at the beginning of the show you were looking back on the 2 nothing game at Celtic Park, which infamously was a match where we didn't have a shot on goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that particular game, obviously, we were without four first-teamers. Beaton, Elhamid, Christie, Edward, they all missed the game last season. That's flipped this time round. Seen a lot of people on social media saying, I don't want them to have any excuses. I want to play a full-strength Rangers. I'll tell you what, if they're four or five players short, if that happens, Colin, what do you see the Celtic side doing? First of all, let's let's take a look back at that team that you mentioned. You mentioned look at the players that were out. This is the team that lined up that day. Barkas and goal, a back five, a Frimpong, Ayer, Duffy, Welsh and Lixalt. A midfield three are Brown and Cham McGregor and Klamala and Elenusi up front. Eight of those players have now left the team. One is now a bench, probably someone that might move on before the transfer window closes. So you've only got two players in that team that I would actually expect to see play on Sunday. Mm. That's how much of a transformation we've had in the last 12 months. Yeah. Now, there's names being branded about, and I've not been able to see and confirm it on Sky, but some people are saying that there is. The likes of Rangers could be without two of the first goalkeepers. They could be without the first choice right winger. They could be without the first choice right back. That's the sort of same position that we were in on that game. Yeah. Now, when you look at it, we would 56% possession with that team. So we still managed to sort of dominate the ball as much as we didn't dominate the game. So you've got to look at it and say that even coming up against these guys, they're still going to have Aribo, they're still going to have Davis, they're still going to have Kamara, they're still going to have Morelos, they're still going to be a tricky challenge. They can't be underestimated. And for that reason, we've got to go out and give 100%. I mean, we should never go into a game against them and not give 100%, but it can't just be a case of, oh, well, they've got a couple of players out, it might make it easier. It, It doesn't... These games mean nothing when it's on paper it's what's done on the park so we we do have to go into this game give it absolutely 100% and by the way this is just an example of something that can happen to us this year as well Mm. it's got to be kind of a sort of wake up call to people that if anybody or any of the players were maybe not following the protocols 100% this is something that can happen to us and I just I hope they're 100% careful well, as well as that, Colin, I hope we get a couple of extra bodies in just for any eventualities uh, going forward. Um, when we go into that fixture, uh, I think Ange Postecoglou would always go in with his own game plan, Brian. Um, how do you think the, the lack of Celtic fans will affect both sides? And what I mean by that is there's been a lot of talk around Rangers failing to perform in front of their own fans well, there's a stadium full of them at the weekend. We don't have any. It's it's basically backs to the wall for Celtic. But as the last couple of weeks has shown, uh, whenever you know shots have been fired at Celtic, it's galvanised us. You look at the Kyogo scenario; it seems to have galvanised us. You know, we've come together, um, so we're unified in that respect. Do you think the same thing's going to happen for Celtic? I remember the last game at Ibrox where the fans were shut out back in 94, that's off the top of my head, correct me if I'm wrong, 1994. And, you know, the, the Celtic team that day, which wasn't the strongest the Celtic sides, done extremely well and got a, a one-each draw. Um, John Collins scoring the goal. Mikhail Achenko equalising for Rangers. Going into that game, who does it affect the most, Brian? I think it affects Rangers the most. And here's my rationale for that. If they go into that game, so say that they are weaker because of COVID, right, or what if I, even if they're not, 
they go into that game with all their own fans there, they absolutely, unequivocally have to win. There's no doubt, there's no spots or maybes, there's no excuses. All the pressure is on them because they have to compete with the allegation that they can't perform in front of their own fans. Right? They have to compete with the allegation that bottle merchants. They have to do that in front of a full house of their own fans. We imagine Celtic take the lead early. That crowd will turn on them in a second. And that pressure will make them crumble. If Celtic go there, don't get a result or get a draw or something like that, no result we want, then, you know, we're a team in rebuild. It's new in the season. None of our own fans were there. The pressure's all on Rangers. I think they've shot themselves in the foot by doing this because doing this tick allocation makes them look petty. And I think it's going to backfire spectacularly. The, the way we are playing, the one thing we're going to do is going to score goals against anybody. Mm. You know, we, we make it seem we're going to score them. If we score first, I think they crumble. Absolutely crumble. What's your thoughts, Colin? Uh, on the whole ticket allocation thing, uh, it's, as you say, it's very, very petty. Um, I, I just, I'd love to go back to the way it was a couple of years ago. When Celtic get the full broom loan and Rangers get whatever it is up to sort of the halfway and I know it's I don't mean any offence to any season ticket holders that wouldn't get to the games because of that, but the, the atmosphere. I mean I was brought up on that and it was it was brilliant. Um it it does add to the occasion. Um it's uh, Barry Ferguson even said that it's when, Barry Ferguson said, when Barry Ferguson says he wants Celtic fans at Ibrox then you know that there's something not quite right there. You know, to be fair, actually, with Barry Ferguson, I always feel that he's very respectful towards Celtic in interviews, certainly over the last uh, few seasons. I, I have felt he's been pretty balanced, so I'm going to have to say that, and I'll get all the flack on social media afterwards. However, I agree with you, Colin. We need to get back to the situation where the fans and the rivalry within the stadium was part of the fixture. You know, that atmosphere, that, that melting pot. Um, and, you know, yeah, there is a, a massive amount of hatred involved in that as well, um, which obviously spills into other areas and other discussion points that uh, we may or may not have during the season. Big question as well for me is uh, the referee and the officials have been announced. Is Kevin Clancy strong enough uh, for this weekend's fixture? Colin, what? I'll give him a benefit of doubt until the whistle. The OK. Whistle Brian? I don't think any of the referees in Scotland are particularly competent. Um, I don't know if I go as far as to say they're biased but I think they put themselves in a position they appear biased because they're so bad at their job mm. so I, I don't really particularly have any great faith in any referees um, if I'm honest and with regards to the fact that we will have one of our new additions available for selection, Colin, and uh, obviously Tony Ralston's been having a good run of form. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow night, of course. I've always been reluctant to throw new players into a debut against Rangers. Would you try and stick to the familiarity of the side that we've seen over the last few weeks with you know, only making changes when necessary through injury? I'm always one that says if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, keep going. Cool. Keep going. Tony Ralston starts against Rangers at Ibrox. Would you agree 100%. with that, Brian? Hundred percent. Yeah, him and Welsh are the first names of the team sheet for me. Um, I think he's been excellent, and I think you thrive on that. And I think I really enjoy playing against him. So yeah, hundred percent. Unless you guys are going to join me for the game tomorrow night, uh, you won't be on Axon before the Rangers game. Therefore, I want a prediction. Start with yourself, Colin. What? Don't predict those games. 
sitting on a fence, Something sitting on a fence. Brian, I'm going to quickly come to you. Colin, you're muddled for that. You need to go off that fence, son. Every time you've got a prediction, you're sitting on it. Um, I'm going to go 3-1. 3-1 Celtic. So we're looking at potentially a massive week in Ange Postacoglu's debut season. There is one more point of discussion, and I want to have it today, even though I'll be back on the Bulletin tomorrow. And the reason I want to have it is because Colin and I have crossed swords on a number of occasions over Tony Ralston. The Scotland squad, Colin, was announced, and we had suggested leading up to it, Welsh has had a good start to the season. Ralston's has a good start to the season. Do you think they should be disappointed that they're not in that squad to for the three upcoming fixtures? I think they'll be disappointed, but I can see why they aren't part of the squad. Um, when you look at it, you, you look at the options that's there. They're both guys that have played for the country before. Um, at starting at right back anyway. Um, Patterson hasn't really kicked a ball for Rangers this season, so you could argue that he potentially shouldn't be part of that. Um, when you look at O'Donnell, O'Donnell's Steve Clark's love child. He's going to be there no matter what. Um, he could be 45 and he'd still be getting picked for Scotland as long as Steve Clark's there. So that's on Steve Clark. Um, but as for Welsh, Welsh is called up for the 21s. It'll be his first cap for the 21s. I don't know if that's a surprise to anybody. So, um, looking at the kind of logic that the uh, the coach uh, is saying for the twenty ones, like Sir Calvin Ramsey and uh, Taylor McKenzie, Aberdeen didn't get called up, but they get called up for the nineteens because they're eligible to play for that. S- Scotland seem to think that you bring players up through the age groups until they get too old and then move them on. So, I'm not surprised not to see Welsh in the, the Scotland team. My kind of argument for that, um, and obviously Colin's bringing up uh, love children, uh, a wee bit of the old Diana Ross coming into the Axon Bulletin there, Brian. I would suggest, well, yeah, totally get that. They've been part of the squad and around the squad. But you've got to introduce players sometimes. And, uh, you know, it can't always just be about friendlies. I think Declan Gallagher, for example, and um, Nathan Patterson already mentioned by Colin, they've only started one game each this season. And I think that when you look at that and, you know, hitting the ground running, yeah, you might have done really well for Scotland three months ago and you might have been in and around the squad. But I would be far more likely, and this was a big criticism of Gordon Strachan when he was in charge of Scotland for me, not playing players who are on form. And I just think that, you know, that, that was my thinking with, with Welsh and with Ralston. I think Welsh, you know, maybe his introduction to international football starts now with the under-21s, and that's fair enough, and he can progress from there. Um, I just think the time was now to bring in those two Celtic players. I think that's maybe an error on Clark. He does play it safe a lot of the time, Stevie Clark, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. He is incredibly risky as a manager, so I think he would always go with tried and tested in his mind. So, first of all, I just want to say... I adore Scotland, I love my country, I love watching them play, I love when Celtic players play for them. But at the moment, if I had my way, I would have every Celtic player out of that squad and rested and developing under Ange just now. I'd have Calmack rested, Humble rested. Um, so on this occasion, I know the players will be disappointed, but I'm glad Ralston and Welsh are going because we, we need to rest the players, give them a recovery time and another few weeks training with Ange and get used to that system. So. On this occasion, I would have none of the Celtic players in the squad. Um, but yeah, they, uh, realistically, both Welsh and Ralston should be disappointed, I think, not to be in there. Um, why Welsh should get under 21 cap? They should be staying in that squad. But as I say, on this occasion, I'm glad they're not. 
Well, there we have it. Plenty to, to discuss, as always. I was uh, sitting in for Kevin Graham. Everybody involved in the comment section, thank you all for your ongoing support for Celtic State of Minds. We have uh, mentioned this week that we're up for three national awards um, as a result of all your support, so thank you very much for that. And the details of how to vote, how to get behind Axom, how to send us down to London, and hopefully we can bring one, two, or even three trophies back, Colin. All those details are all over the social media channels. I'll be putting a wee article on axom.net, the little used um, website that we have uh, up and running as well for Axom. So thanks everybody for getting involved and thank you to Colin Watt and Brian Degden for joining me again on A Celtic State of Mind. to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.